gonna get. I'm a hippity hoppity type of player. Grab that one. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> right on. Oh no, an ice wall. I found a nut. I didn't volunteer for this. I didn't even get my. Thank you, coffee. I'm destroy. Destroy. All right. Hello, caffeine's calf friends. My name is Perk, and welcome to the caffeine's cast. Today, I'm joined by two guests. Um, none other than Space Moose from last week. Our Hello. founding, one of our founding members, and Will Produces. Jesus Christ, it's Will Produces. <laughs> What's up, say. guys? <laughs> it's, good, uh, it's good to be back. Um, it's been it's been five ish. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's been five months since uh, we did this podcast with me on it. It's been um, quite a bit. Excited to be here. Excited to hand perk the reins in entirety. And, uh, I guess we'll talk about what's going on with me. Thank you. I'm reaching out my window. I'm reaching out my window for the reins. I'm grabbing them. No, no, no. We're not doing that. Uh, for those of you who don't know, for those of us who are just joining the podcast now, who didn't kind of catch our 2020 podcast, Will is the host of the Caffeine's Cast when we started it up. I wanted to get the podcast kind of back going. Will has been working on a ton of projects, and like he's like he shared, he's got a really really cool um, new piece of the Caffeine's content coming up so for the moment i am hosting you're stuck with me i'm hosting the caffeine's cast but today we're going to talk about the esports industry which i should put like little like celebrations behind me because like everybody wants to talk about video games as a business but like in joking aside like in seriously like you know the gaming industry like we always talk about this the games industry has grown to surpass uh the film industry you know as of i believe last year um so it's something that's kind of it's building it's growing and it's constantly ever changing it, it's changed a lot from you know the the glory days of the 90s into the 2000s with arcade culture and you know an insane amount of you know single player rpgs and people playing couch co-op and split screen um and it's become kind of a, a huge thing um in recent years mm. and especially in the last decade so i want to talk about a couple of different aspects of that um and just share a little bit of a little little tiny bit of insider knowledge. Will and I actually know each other from working at a little company called Major League Gaming, um, working in post production there. Will Will produces was my producer. Um, it sure was. He sure he sure was. I remember talking to you at like eight o'clock in the morning, barely awake, and you saw that I had a Destiny shirt, and I was like, "Oh, the person talking to me, I should wake up." Um, and then we chatted about Destiny. We became friends from that. Um, so yeah, that is actually how I joined the caffeine's like origin story reveal. It is, um, but yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is my my tenth anniversary of actually officially working in esports is this September. Damn, congrats! Uh, so yeah, I'm excited for that. Uh, being a part of MLG was a huge, like it was really a part of my identity, and I think you know, uh, just general advice for people in any industry: don't make your job your identity because then you get hurt like your feelings get hurt <laughs> but yeah um just to uh to head off our discussions uh i still work in the esports industry for this really great company called esports engine but as a caveat uh, i am not here as a representative of them my opinions do not reflect my employer nor those of my clients i'm just here to talk about sort of my experience um and, and my opinions and if that makes me some sort of industry shill so be it uh, I love esports, and I will not apologize for it. No, that's honestly like esports is. I I always kind of look at it coming from like the fighting game community, 
it's absolutely seen as sort of a you know a double-edged sword um because it's very 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 grassroots and honestly mlg's roots with halo sort of started in the same kind of vein um but i think we're just kind of closer in concentric ring circles to uh, being esports and really considered one of the early uh early days of esports with uh with halo um but yeah there's nothing wrong with appreciating it and, and actually that's that's kind of a good a good contrast um right because one of the things that I think we talk about a lot is you know is this oh this tournament's on like this is really cool like it's cool to see and then sometimes oh this tournament's on and what are they doing um so this regardless um this time has is absolutely going to be considered still i mean we we still kind of look back and go oh wow back in you know 2005 you know 2006 was like the early days but like in the grand scheme of things especially as you know time goes forward this this era still will be considered the early days um honestly for for esports or definitely um an earlier metamorphosis uh, of of it so one of the things and kind of the big the big spurring on topic uh that kind of we wanted to do this episode about esports was um some of you may have noticed <laughs> that there is an esports examination that popped up on Twitter. Um, so, Will, I'm going to let you kind of give your spiel on this and uh, give us your thoughts kind of on it. Explain it for those who may not understand why the hell there would be uh, a service that you can buy for 300 400 bucks to get certified to work in esports. Oh, man, I don't know if I have a, a, a spiel, but yeah, just to, to recap what happened. Um, so essentially there was something that popped up on Twitter called the Esports Certification Institute. Um, and they, they had this goal to create, uh, like a standardized certification for people wanting to get into the esports, uh, industry, which is great. Uh, they had, like, they stated their goals were like, you know, we want to eliminate nepotism and we want to diversi diversify the esports landscape in terms of like who's working in it. And those are actually like sort of very like necessary goals and one thing that they came out with was this huge rollout with, uh, with huge names across esports uh, you know, like uh, chris puckett from like formerly of mlg and overwatch league good, good buddy of mine was on their their like advisor committee along with people like day nine and a lot of streamers and, and casters and uh people from across the the industry um but what sort of was odd was that you know you had them essentially create this certification uh and charge for the first week three hundred dollars if you got in uh ahead of time but after the first week they were going to charge 400 bucks for this piece of paper that essentially calls you legit within the esports sphere um that, and that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way i know like my personal take is like this like they had a uh practice test that you could download for not specifically for free it was for pay what you want so you know you could just go and hit zero dollars and i downloaded it uh and all of these questions were data analysis you know can you do math <laughs> very like <laughs> specific marketing questions things that do not encompass the entire esports industry um and a lot of people felt invalidated in what they did i know that like i i didn't take that as such um but a lot of people were like, oh, well, how am I, like, why, if I work in broadcast or in content creation, or if I'm a streamer for a team, 
or a coach or even a player, why do I need to have uh, market data analysis or marketing terms memorized? You know, that was, it was kind of missing them. Um, I think the people running esports CI, I, I've, I've been told, I've been told rather uh, that, you know, they're, they're endemic to the industry. They're, they're not just someone coming in to, to horn in on uh, the esports buzzword. And for me, I, you know, this, I think that, you know, they see that they missed the mark and they've, they've taken a step back, but it's sort of, uh, it got memed on real hard, like oh, sort of did. laughed out of the, laughed out of the space. It's certainly, it certainly did. Um, the, the, one of the interesting things to me is kind of popping up is like, like the, one of the first thing you mentioned is nepotism and that, I mean, that one makes a ton of sense. Cause to be honest, that's the reason that I was working for MLG. Um, friend was working there and they needed more editors. Um, so it's, it's definitely one of those things where it's like, you know, a, who do you know type, type of situation by the same token. I mean, certainly there are some folks that are going to be working there that do have, you know, or are working under somebody who's a really good friend of theirs or a family friend who's not really carrying their weight, but they're still there doing their thing because of that situation. Um, but I also think that there's a lot of folks that like, n you know, especially in the post-production field, networking kind of is everything, you know, very, it's very rare to just, you know, throw your resume or your reel at somebody and, you know, get a response. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. I, I lucked out one time uh, and got an interview with um, the MLB network. Um, totally over my head, totally more than, uh, a bit off more than I can chew without really even knowing it. Um, so it, it certainly can happen, but nine times out of 10, it's it's somebody that you know, it's somebody, you know, putting out a, a, a cattle call, you know, on Twitter or something like that. And someone tags you and it's, you know, someone that, you know, the person that is trying to get the work if someone reputable to them tags you, it's it's a decent in. Like I've gotten a lot of ins um, in that way too. So I think that's a good thing. But going off what you were saying too about like you said you downloaded like the test, and it was kind of just like a hey, can you do math? Can you do some basic stuff? I I think that's truly where kind of the problem with that whole thing and the reason why it was memed on so hard. And I think the the folks that were on there as like you know kind of like the the team or, or whatever they want to call it that credibility is its only saving grace because i do think if it didn't have that they would have been laughed out of town even sooner than they were um but i think this, this kind of makes it a topic too and, and moose i definitely kind of i know that you're not directly involved in like the esports industry but i i want to hear your thoughts on this is what if they're what if this you know uh gci or eci rather sorry that's their their acronym was um what if they, instead of coming in with a $300 or $400, however much it costs, um, instead of this like certification, what if they created like a learning lab kind of session where for people who were gamers, who are very, very, very passionate about gaming, creating content and doing those sorts of things, what if they kind of made tutorials and sort of had networking sessions for folks that maybe are working in a field that is good that they went to school for but you know a couple of years in they realize hey this isn't for me but something like this exists you can kind of step up to the plate and go hey you know i do sort of want to switch industries i do want to get into something else how would like do you guys think that that would have been like a better 
I'd support that more. You think so? When I when I think of like a certification, it just reminds me of my job where I have like I work in healthcare. Mm. So I'm constantly having to renew licenses and do certifications and stuff like that. And that's because the field's actually changing and it's a, like a life and death scenario. Like I need to know this knowledge. Right. I when I think of like an esports certification board being made and stuff, it just seems like a money making attempt in my opinion. That's like that's kind of what I was thinking. At like three, four hundred dollars a pop, why? What's to say they can't go a couple of years down the line and be like, "Up, oh, everyone, it's time to recertify," and then bam, you've got like an established fee, basically an entrance fee into getting in, which wasn't there before. Yeah, uh, I think that that's. I think I, I saw some similar feedback with friends of mine who get certifications in different parts of like IT and I think that this is much closer to like that like it's not you know a certification doesn't really uh bring value in esports but like what they were trying to bring was a way to uh to network and essentially what you said Perk. they wanted to create essentially a, a pool of people that if you had this certification you also had access to other people who had this certification and could, could reach out for jobs. I think one one thing in esports that people don't talk about is that there are a lot of people who uh, who fail upward, and th- this is noted in uh, esports CI's website that is kind of like no longer available. Uh, it's, I, I kind of feel like not super comfortable like uh, talking about this point because it's it's almost moot now. Like their website's gone. Sure. But sure. Um, like I've worked with so many people who. Let's just say they're not the best to work with, you know, whether it was a bad working attitude or just lack of complete lack of talent or skill, um, you know, and then I wasn't working with them, but I would see them pop up, you know, in other parts of, of the esports field. Uh, and sometimes they, they would elevate their position from the last time I worked with them. Is that necessarily bad? Well, I, I don't think it's good. You know, I think that there are a lot of people who who, uh, who come in and, and use the, the esports buzzword, but it also kind of shows the passion that that person has for the seat. Like, they just want to be in it at all costs. Um, and if it's a net detriment to whoever, that that's that's rough. But yeah, you know, good for good for good on that person for for trying to be in the seat. Um, but yeah, the. The amount of people I've seen fail upwards in esports is is quite large, um, and I don't. I just want to put this out there. I have only ever really worked in the esports industry. I, I'm a I'm an odd case. I, I'm very lucky to have my like uh, to have sort of tailored my career and my education at the same time to working at MLG and at coming up in esports. I don't know how other industries work outside of the film industry and the esports industry. I know plenty of people fail up in, in film, and I know that like networking in film is all about nepotism and who you know. So like I see both sides of the nepotism argument, but because you like on the one hand you might not get the best person, but you at least get a known quantity. Like if I'm working with with uh, Perk for example on a project, like I know how well he can edit. I'm like there may be the uh, ideal perfect editor out there that might not be perk, but I don't have access to that person. I don't know they exist. It is much easier for me to um to 
get a good product that with someone I know I can work with really well, you know. Um, yeah. So that's that's sort of the upside of, of nepotism. Sorry to say it. Um, like I don't think it. I think that esports as an industry is so broad. Like you, you're not. You're gonna run into the parts where the Venn diagram overlaps with traditional media a lot, you know, and that's content creation where you need to have someone who knows how to do budgets like and line produce and contract talent and you'll need lawyers and you'll need all these other parts uh, moving parts of an organization that is not just like you that you're not just gonna find in yeah. in the wild you know um and all of those moving parts have their own uh, best practices and their own um sort of like even like laws that come with it like I'm a producer, but there's no esports producers guild, even though I would love there to be one, and that is what I call my Twitch subs. Uh, <laughs> that like, makes but sense. in that makes traditional sense. film, there's the producers guild of America. Like, there's the directors guild. That doesn't that like I think that that is where like you could bring, bring true value is just like really um, get specific with what part of esports you're talking about because it's such a broad term like. You know, I I would love for there to be an esports producers guild or like a broadcast esports broadcast guild. That would be great. Um, but right now, that only exists in World of Warcraft. Shout out to Auxiliary on Tychondrius. <laughs> that's a that's a really good point. I, I do think you know, you're like you're saying like that there's you know a producers guild for for film and stuff like that. This is something that I kind of noticed a little bit, um, just you know, from the various projects that I've worked on. Um, when I, you know, my first gig at MLG, I actually was, I was doing editing and in, in media for, um, in pharmaceuticals, kind of as like an IT, like a, it was sort of a tech creative position. Um, very, the most bizarre role with like a thousand hats that I could ever, um, describe to you. But that's kind of where I cut my teeth, um, after working for Apple, doing some training, um, and workshops and stuff with, uh, with production. It was, it was one of those things where like, at Apple at the time that I worked there, it was like everybody was, you know, familiar with like editing either video or audio or just, you know, something, some creative field. So it was a trait common to a lot of us. Um, so I, you know, I brought that and kind of developed it much further at the the job that followed that up. But when I, when I jumped into esports for the first time, for me as kind of a lifelong gamer and somebody who was really, really excited, like, you know, seeing and consuming so much gaming content of my own it was so amazing to you know i was ready to just i was rubbing my hands like ready to go um and obviously i had a tremendous time doing it and had some fantastic uh, memories and job opportunities you know spawning off all those but one of the things that i did notice is that a lot of folks a lot of other editors assistant editors and producers even weren't gamers and i don't know if that's just because the job you know, requires so much time and it's very time consuming, the networking, traveling and all of those stuff. Um, but it almost, this was, this was something that, that is interesting to me. And I, I definitely want both your takes on it. Cause I think they will be kind of coming from a different place with, uh, with my background in the fighting community growing up in arcades, the content that was produced from fighting game tournaments was so explosive and so like it put you there like it put you in the moment when i was and you know content that I, i'd made some content for fighting games before that 
going in actually i think my reel for mlg was an entirely fighting game like hype reel um going into other side of esports that had been more structured from kind of from its from its origin i don't know if it, it was necessarily just like a nepotism type of thing to go back to that thread of hey you know so and so you know this person we need a project kind of doing this you know this is the pretty good rate you know you interested in doing this yeah i'll do that like you know i've got experience in this stuff and not that it's a detracting and not necessarily that everybody that's editing needs to be like a gamer but do you think this is the question do both of you think that someone coming in from another part of the production fields is it necessary to be a gamer and if they are do you think it makes a difference and the reason that i'm asking this question just keep this in your back of your minds is because i often see people that work in the game industry a lot of conversations that they make so much less than folks that are doing an analogous role in other industries and do you think the games industry still has a stigma to it so that's my question i'll let moose go first oh, i think it 100 percent still has a stigma okay as far as like do i think that say like someone who knows how to edit videos and stuff like that outside of like a gaming environment could come in and do it i think so because i think like the media like they've probably seen some at some point maybe they haven't made it but it's become almost ubiquitous in society gaming at some content. point yeah gaming content especially okay. because like sports in general yeah. It's kind of an you know, similar. It's a, it's a related a related field for sure. And so like you can kinda tell like if you can read a room, then you can kinda tell when like hype moments are and stuff like that. And I think that translates. Hmm. Okay. So but I don't know because I don't have much experience with it on how common it is for esports people to not actually play games. Because they may play games just not like online games they could be like board gamers or like you know D D or something like that some they probably have some attachment to gamer culture while it might not be an esports title that's very fair and that makes sense too that's actually a really good point the um the kind of analogous nature of sports being exciting because it's kind of even if you don't play sports and there's a lot of folks that that don't um you can still definitely tell i mean there's times when players are running around there's times they're not so i think it's uh kind of a similar thing for uh for an esports too i was uh less of a from just to reiterate my question less of a critique i have no you know i worked with some fantastic folks you know throughout the the career that i've had that uh have made some amazing stuff where i'm like damn that's awesome i'm like and you know, you chat with them you're like i'm like you, you know you do that you know have you have you has that happened to you in a game and they're like i don't play games at all i'm like what so it's a hundred percent uh, I'm not at all uh, trying to shame folks that work in esports that don't necessarily play games. My uh, my comment was uh, just sort of an is an interesting thing, um, kind of tying into the whole thread of nepotism versus you know is this is this industry considered lesser you know in some eyes and maybe sort of an easier way to kind of climb the rungs and then well, kind of transfer into I, different parts of the industry. We already know the whole industry is seen as lesser. Like the gaming industry as a whole, because no. people are paid less to go into this than like fields that 
are equal, you know? Like a video well, game on programmer. The dev side, for sure. Like a dev side, yeah, absolutely. Like, that's one thing we could definitely talk about is just you know, crunch culture is, is a thing. Um, oh, yeah. On the esports side, uh, I'm not so sure. Um, I've done a lot of training of producers over the years. I've trained people that, like, um, would go on to be, like, my like my peers. And, and, like, I've worked with people like Jack, who started, like, Courage, Jack Courage Dunlop started out as like my, uh, an intern of ours at MLG and then exploded to like co-owner of 100 Thieves. Um, and I, I've seen people from like a billion different backgrounds come in and out of this place. Uh, I've always had one real guiding principle when it comes to like figuring out if like a person is going to do well and it, it may not work, but you know, I can't teach a person how to care, but I can teach them how to be a producer. Um, I think authenticity to the culture of the specific game that, like, you are trying to be a, a part of the scene for is is huge and, like, probably your number one guiding pillar, right? Like, um, for sure. It Just from, like, even, like, a completely utilitarian standpoint, if you're trying to make content that's being consumed by an audience... You can you should never come in from the point of view like uh, looking down your nose at them, uh, or thinking that these people are less valuable or less intelligent. And I, I've seen and I've dealt with some people that have come from like traditional sports who had this like um, this idea that they're going to come in and, and fix esports yep. um, and make it sports. But esports are not sports; they're their own culture, their own thing, and it's kind of like a track and field even though i'm ironically saying they're not sports like each individual game has its own culture and you there, there's not much crossover sometimes there are like uh, i think one interesting thing about battle royales is a lot of people who are good at fortnite are good at warzone are good at apex and you see people being like multi-game pros in battle royales which is something you didn't really see uh before but um it's hard to to really nail the culture going between games like every time i think about um you know picking up a new game to do an event for i i have to do research i have to immerse myself in in the culture and figure out like what does the viewer of this game want uh and i don't want to ever give them something that seems fake and that's something i i, I really pulled from fighting games actually like the first uh games that i worked on at mlg were mortal Kombat uh Bless. nine um Bless. Street Fighter, not Street Fighter, Soul Calibur Five. Yep, that was the MLG. King one. of, King of Fighters Thirteen. The best. Some very so like, those are some niche communities, and they're very very opinionated about like exactly how they want to run their things. Like I'm really lucky to have like worked with um, like Arturo Sanchez and Minon from Team Spooky, mm. um, back Bless. in the day. Uh, as like the fundamentals of of, of my esports, but like my my home esport was StarCraft, um, Brood War, and then StarCraft Two, um, and they're like they're if you came up in esports in like the 2010 to 2012 era, like it was it was punk rock, like it was counterculture to traditional sports. Like, um, so if you're coming in from t traditional sports at that point, and you're like you're like oh, I'm gonna fix this, I'm gonna make it you know viable, then you're gonna have a bad time. Um, and I think that, you know, esports gets a lot of press as like, oh my god, 
the esports industry as a whole is going to rival the NHL this year. Now it's going to rival the NFL this year. There's a lot of buzzwords and you know positive buzz. Like that's it's not a bad thing, and it's also potentially not like a lie either. But it, it's kind of like comparing uh, baseball to MMA or like the NFL to uh, competitive chess. Like like all of these things don't necessarily need to be sports and people love to fight about them but they all have their different culture and like it's something to be celebrated authentically i completely completely agree with you there um that's why my my comparison point is you know working in esports but then also kind of growing up with the fg you know the fgc i remember literally finding youtube because I couldn't convince my mom to let me buy the DVDs of Evo, like Evo 2005, <laughs> and oh, then like great. like they put them on few, DVD. They they used oh, to yeah. sell DVDs of the tournaments, <laughs> and the, that was how MLG worked in the back in the day too. <laughs> That's how it was. I'm the still DVDs. just reeling from what you said at the beginning that as a film aficionado, the fact that the uh, gaming industry like bigger production wise than movies was like a big thing for me it is it's and it's kind of interesting because it's it's one of those things where you th you think of movies and how just massive they are and you think about like the avengers just the avengers as a whole you go how could it how could the gaming industry do that and honestly I if mean, um i would they love made a to video see game they did yeah they did and i think the we don't talk about that anymore <laughs> we don't <laughs> we don't talk about that anymore um, um it's it's one of those... jump in here. You got it. Go ahead. Uh, like one thing to one huge huge asterisk that we need to consider when talking about the size of the gaming industry versus the size of the, the film industry is that like that encompasses all things gaming yes. from mobile that to console to say. PC. Um, to, it and it includes esports. Is esports as big as like the movie industry? No. No. Fuck no. No, like it a, just isn't. It's um, totaled together with the other products, with the IPs. Yeah. And one thing I want to talk about real quick is that you know, the growth of esports over the years, um, esports and really just the competitive gaming scene of any game has been used as a marketing tool. You know, people have put out titles and have just like one title that I remember. Uh, working on and sort of wishing that I got to work on it more was Infinite Crisis uh, mm. which was a MOBA with that had um, like all DC superhero characters mm -hmm. um, and you know they put a lot of emphasis in their esports scene I, I really loved that game uh, it was a lot of fun but it re like it relied on, on esports as as marketing and didn't grow and like it, it came into like a huge hugely saturated MOBA scene like there are a million different things, but like, at the end of the day, esports should not be marketing. Another another uh, thing that goes another point for this rather is uh, I used to be a Guild Wars two caster, and one of the things that got me excited about Guild Wars on release is I was like counting down the days for seven years between Guild Wars one and Guild Wars two, and they started putting out videos. They're like, we're gonna have a competitive PvP mode. It's gonna be we're gonna have esports support day one, complete lives. Uh, you know, <laughs> ArenaNet did not uh, did not fulfill that. Um, and then when they did, nine months later, put in an observer mode, I jumped at the at the chance to be like, all right, I have to cast this game. Like, I want to I want to be the esports guy for Guild Wars Two. 
I made a lot of great friends. Um, but the business case for esports in that game did not like it didn't get the time that it needed to become its own thing because again, esports should not ever really like esports for its own sake should be this pure, beautiful thing. Uh, it and it shouldn't be. It should, just should not be marketing for a game. It was a huge buzzword in this time. I think it was like tw- between 2011 and like at peak StarCraft, beginning of League of Legends. Like a, a lot of devs saw like, oh my god, if I can make my game an esport, it will like, it'll blow up and will like increase sales or something like that. And, and you saw it being used in games that you knew did not have the scene to support. Hundred um, percent to support the game. 100%. And that was really, really tough for the people that, like me, who loved that game and wanted to see it, like, go explode at, at all costs, you know? Like, you, um, and, and that just comes back to this idea of culture. Um, does your game have, like, your game has a culture no matter what in terms of, like, its fans. How do you foster that? How do you make it so that these people um, create, like, heroes and villains out of the players? Um, and then... Like at a developer level, how do you make it so that the action of your game is viewable by more and more eyes? I can like, tell you who sucks at that. Who does? Uh, I can't involve myself in any conversation about that. Just... Um, I'm not involving you because I don't think it's someone you've worked for. Um, there's a company that keeps trying to refresh their esports scene every year and fails every year. It's a uh, Magic the Gathering. It's one of those things when, as somebody who who worked in, actually like I was in the last time too. My my first gig was working at Wizards of the Coast retail store. When I was sixteen. Um, that is one, and I'd love to spend an entire podcast, honestly, talking about TCGs and their competitive nature. Um, I think they deserve so much more, and I really do actually think that they could be phenomenal esports um so i'm gonna hold that thought for one second because i do want to jump into that i want to respond to uh to what will was saying about um game companies kind of kicking games off as an esport instead of kind of letting it uh develop again a reference from fighting games and i'll be making this for as long as this podcast exists so fighting games and loot cave i'm sorry um but uh like if you had told me as a kid like you know there's people competitively putting money or getting paid to play you know mortal Kombat against each other i would have been like what no way like that's not a thing it's just it's it's competitive amongst friends it is it starts playing games competitively and developing them into an esport was almost like kind of a fluke like really like the thought of it in like the mid 90s um but then it was just one of those things where it's like people compete over so many other things you know why not a video game especially when the game has a balance to that that caters to a competitive edge um you know if you can play against other people online for you know fake points or elo why not play in an organized fashion i mean the thing the thing that i was going to say just uh real quick was games i i always feel that in in the current kind of market the games that are built like what Will was saying, going, hey, like, you know, if, if I can really esports angle this game, like, I could totally, you know, pay off the the loans or, you know, we can hit our goals and we can all get bonuses or, you know, so-and-so and this project lead is going to go to this other project if we can make this thing valuable enough. And I think that's that's sort of an interesting thing for me lately in gaming because I personally don't think, I don't think it's bad 
to make a game going, hey, this is going to be an esports game. But I do think it's bad to only think about the esports ability, esportsification, if you will, of a video game when it's created. Because, like you were saying, games that have you know risen and fallen, you know, based on their intent to recoup losses and re- you know, uh, or have you know business partners in an esports like thing. I don't think that's healthy for a game. I don't think it's healthy for a developer. Um, you know, it surely happens. I mean, let's look at what's a game that really started up and just kind of was esports from the get-go, I guess, Overwatch, really, to say. Yeah. Um, but Overwatch succeeded quite well as an esport um, because I think of the game itself. The game itself didn't need esports to be good. People were picking up and playing Overwatch no matter what. And that's kind of the same thing that I'm kind of hinting at with the fighting community is that whether or not people are getting paid to play, people are still going to go out and get that game and compete in it. And I think there's some games that the heavy hand of esports kind of is the only thing keeping it afloat. And I think there's some games that are fun no matter what and are competitive no matter what that do really lend themselves to esports. I think those are the ones, for me at least, that tend to do the best and tend to inspire genres almost. Yeah, I also think that um, a lot of the games that uh, chose to make esports their focus did so not knowing anything about esports. I think, I think so. that you know they they were like, oh yeah, like this is huge. Let's like cater to this thing that is is a buzzword. That without exactly, uh, there's a lot of half-assing. I think in the beginning stages of. Uh, of creating games that were suitable for esports, right? I think like your example of Overwatch is, is pretty great because, um, you know, that game, even up to like the beginning of Overwatch League, had uh, its own teams like pick up and and, and it they just kind of started oh well, it did amazingly well. Yeah. Like uh, I don't know if you ever watched like the beginning of tournaments in Korea. Uh, yeah, uh, I think it was called I think it was called Apex actually. I believe uh, so. I love that era of Overwatch. Um, it's also a, f- a Smash tournament. <laughs> yeah. Call it. Um, I think was... like one of my biggest regrets is uh, when I I vacationed in Korea and one of my buddies from the Guild Wars scene actually became an Overwatch pro, Dignitas. Uh, and I almost I was like planning to go to uh, the the GSL studios I think it was where they were having it mm-hmm. to uh, to watch them play and I was so jet lagged that I couldn't wake up to oh, go no. see them. And then I was like, "Yeah, I'll come back." They're, like uh, esports is never gonna gonna go away. And then, you know, that that tournament series doesn't exist anymore. That, that's yeah. my bad. <laughs> <laughs> like, should have taken that exa- uh, that choice that chance. I was gonna say um, I I had the uh, the fortunate opportunity to actually be at Overwatch League Grand Finals. Um, oh, the pretty... DJ Khaled year. Mm-hmm. I was there too. That was yep. great. That was a great show. You were there at that? I didn't. I didn't work. Uh, yeah. I wasn't working with you on that project, and it was for a different part. But I didn't know you were there. Um, no, I was there. Moose, was you, the floor. Moose, you had a point that uh, I wanted to get back to. I want. I didn't want you to miss it. What were you gonna say? Oh, I was gonna ask. Can you think of any example of a game that was built just with primarily esports in mind that isn't doing Valorant? well? Oh, that is doing is not doing well. Yeah, yeah, like a lot of them. But I, um, I don't know how much. I like, do you think it's because? <laughs> express this point without because uh, my biggest problem with negative, which I don't want to be. games that are built like for like the only the uber competitive scene in mind 
is that like if you're not like a top tier player, it just doesn't become fun to play. Yeah. So, um, go ahead, Will. I was gonna say if if you have a point, I, I do have a counter a follow up point to that. I mean, they're like my my example of Valorant is that like it is a game that was built for resources amazingly. Um, but you know that's Riot Games being Riot. I was you know? I was just gonna uh, say I was gonna say how much of that is the game itself and how much of that is Riot. Uh, well, I think that Riot just makes Riot is not gonna make a, a bad product. I think it, like they they won't let that go to market. Um, so I like I played a shit ton of Valorant. Like I literally almost played it for twenty four hours straight on my charity stream. The game feels so good. Like they they did the they made the they did the right steps. I would say if you're going to to make a game that wants to be an esport from day one, they took a lot of pros from CS. They took some a bunch of map makers from Counter Strike, um, and they made their own spin on it that didn't feel like it was just one for one ripping off the other parts of the genre. You know, uh, they there's a specific Riot style to their games, and they like they impressed that stamp of quality and on top of Valorant and it it's really good. Um I know that I'll never get Perk or Moose to play it with me because <laughs> of um Riot Vanguard and how that works, but I I love that game. And I, I honestly I haven't played it in forever. I've been thinking about getting back into it. Um but what what they did with um what they've been doing with fostering the scene has been really cool. Uh uh the scenes, the like not the scenes, the tournaments that I've seen rather, have been phenomenal. Uh, the teams that are being, like the fact that they can pull old Counter Strike pros over and keep them, is amazing. Uh, especially like once like, like, once top tier Counter Strike pros go over, like I mean they already are. I'm kind of talking out my ass here because I'm not super in. Like I I've dip my toes in these scenes, right? I'm not, like, super immersed in either Valorant or, or Counter-Strike, but, like, the quality of talent in Valorant is huge for how young a game is. Uh, and I, I think it's a, it's a really good uh, case study on uh, how to do things right for building an eSport from the ground up. Uh, I however, I don't know, like, I could... I think... Eh, there's games like uh, Shoot Mania. I don't know if you remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that came out like a long time ago in in the StarCraft era. Uh, I think that if I'm I might be mistaken. I'm pretty sure that was built to, uh, from the ground up to be an esport and is definitely not around anymore. Um, there I'm trying was, to think of just my esports history. There, I was gonna say there's there's quite a few. I mean, to Moose's other point, the counterpoint to that too is that. Um, I know she was saying with some games that are kind of like it ends up being just kind of like the pros playing it. That is, that's a thing that acts that absolutely happens. That's a thing that actually can absolutely ruin games. Um, but I also think making games too easy to approach is also not necessarily a good place because I've seen that just personally a lot in fighting games. The last, the last generation of um, a couple different games, as much as I love them. Uh, there, the skill, you know, the ceiling has been lowered quite a bit, um, which I don't think is is great at all. Um, but I also do believe, kind of in, I I wish personally that, and this is something I hope to see because I think it can, 
I think as esports grows, as time goes on, I think this is going to make more sense. I hope to see like non-pro esports tournaments. I hope to see like sort of qualifiers. I hope to see like open entry tournaments because for me with the fighting game community again and i know the references are endless um one of the things that makes it so great is that all somebody needs is the entry fee to just show up and, and fighting games are unique where it's a single player game versus you know a team game where you know if let's say we grabbed a bunch of the caffeines and we spent a little bit of time playing you know a game like valorant registered for a tournament we're still going to get clocked by you know teams that do this 24 7 Whereas in a fighting game tournament, there's more variables and there's a lot more to single person skill and th there's a lot of different vectors to how that that sort of community and competitive nature functions. But I do think it would be fun and approachable and I think you would crop up more talent if there were more sort of, uh, not, to, not to say like promoted, but like if there were series made series is same in the word if there were more series made by reputable tournament organizers for open entry teams like make a minimum obviously because you don't want you know you know johnny and the nose pickers showing up you know to to your tournament and kind of you know you're trying to cast it you're trying to make it a good event and you know people are being unprofessional but i i do hope to see a, basically a seat like a, a situation where players can learn can get their chops you know set for less like competitive gameplay without having to worry about getting demolished by teams that just do this and get paid to do this 24 7. does that make sense so uh to your point um mlgs back in the day had open brackets forever right and uh it was only in the last year of the cwl i think where they they really separated the pros from the open bracket um, but there is a thing called uh, Call of Duty Elite Challengers, which is essentially what you're describing, which is an open tournament that uh, you know, like the the end uh end of the bracket gets brought. I, I think they're live right now. My buddy Spaceman is uh casting it. Nice Spaceman, who is also a caffeine. He is. We haven't seen in a while. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So the 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 open uh bracket concept exists still you just gotta know where um, i'm sure it does like I, I don't mean to say that it doesn't i guess my my thing was like i wish that was part of something that was more marketed because i don't see that well, what about the uh, collegiate collegiate scenes like there was um, i want more of that i think that's here's awesome. the, here's of the storm here's the dorm heroes of the my, dorm was that what it was called friends. yeah yeah my, my good Dude, friends awesome. uh, happy birthday d machine you're never gonna listen to this but um, my good friends David Hollings and Hannah Hollings uh, from Blizzard, who work uh, Hannah's on Overwatch and David works on on WoW. Uh, they were like some of the big force behind Heroes of the Door, uh, and like name. that was that was Tespa. I'm not sure Tespa is still a thing, but you know there's still CSL. Like I used to be uh, NYU New York University's captain of of the StarCraft team. I bet you um, were. Uh, like the, these collegiate things still exist um you're seeing them pop up more and more and they are gathering steam um i, I think it's just like there's even a, a college cod uh tournament series that exists um it, by a third party to for sure but it's there and you know they have a following um it just needs time 
Anna needs uh, some some tender loving care from the community and I guess from the developers as well. Okay, that's fair. I love. I would love to see that stuff. Like I'm, I'm all for you know lower seedings, you know low elo uh, plays because that's you know that's kind of off putting is to you know, just see pros and you're like fuck I like I can't you know I can't hang with these guys like I don't you know it's not even worth the time but like I I still think competition is fun whatever form it is you know if you're not athletic and you want to compete you know chess video games there's a lot of other different things that you can do um but seeing gaming's gaming in the industry kind of emerge it's um something I I definitely hope to see kind of like grow more in the future um we'll say Having having worked the broadcast for the open bracket and like getting through winners round one and losers round one of broadcast in those days is a slog. It, for like, team games, it, yeah. It, well, it's it's also just like some of some of the like it's hard to watch good teams beat up on bad teams like or not pro teams. You yeah, know? that's uh, that's for for that hours. Um, you run out of things to say if you're a caster, and also it's just like if you're sitting there trying to like produce a show, you're just like, uh, yeah, like what's what, happening what's for, for like eight hours straight. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. So let's talk a little bit about um, the state of esports going into going into knocking on wood a post-COVID uh, world. What do you what have... What are some things? I want to start with Moose. Um, okay. What are some things? that you would like to see or that you think is going to happen to esports as we kind of move past. I'd like to see more in-person events happen again. Of course. Absolutely. One of the highlights of my year every year was going to MAGFest and taking part in all the, like... No, it's it's still on. Oh. They reformed reformed their board. Okay. MAGFest announced that they were dead before the, uh, the pandemic, right? Yeah, well, no, during the... They had a very big change in the board of directors and stuff. Anyway, okay. it's back. It's back. It's back for when COVID's over. I but, um, look forward to the day that we can all go to MAGFest together. MAGFest is the greatest experience ever. I know Coffee Hazard is a huge fan. I know you are and the Cacklers. My local hometown friends and I would play a pick-up Heroes of the Storm tournament at MAGFest That's every great. year. And we would Love get that. second place every year. You and really would. Yeah. My uh, my best friend growing up is a, a music producer, um, and he would play at Magfest every year. Yeah. So, yeah. I'll eventually go to that. Another another one of those things where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go to that eventually. One year. Maybe it's not around. It's so good. I mean, it's just, you know, five days of twenty four hours music and video games. I gotta tell you, Moose. Because it doesn't turn from... off. It just goes twenty four hours. That is true. One thing that I noticed from working in uh, the events industry is I have this th- this sense that I can't turn off whenever I get in a crowd of like people in like the nerd industry. Like when I, I went to Comic Con a few years ago, and I like I was like, "Where's my Where's my staff badge to get me out of these lines? Like, what is happening? <laughs> like, I'm so not used to <laughs> like just being a. Like, it's hard for me to turn off." employee mode you know and, and that's be a fan that's the that's beauty one thing that i had to kill that's the beauty of magpass because there's no real lines um that's great. like it's just a 24-hour booze festival with music and video games um so for me post-covid i think one thing that um 
uh, the, I, I listened to the, the last episode, guys, and I had a note. Uh, the, the growth of esports in the COVID-19 uh, pandemic has been really interesting uh, because we've, we've seen a lot of innovations. Like, uh, we have player cams in a lot of tournaments like that have been like webcams sent by the tournament organizer or like the dev to their pro players house so that they can constantly see their players. Um, you know, a lot of, like a lot of innovations in remote broadcasting have happened just specifically from esports and also Christian sports, um, coming into this. And, uh, you know, when, when you're talking about this, the decline of esports, uh, it, it, we have to remember we're not out of the, the lockdown uh, stage yet, you know, Canada entered another lockdown and, um, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen to us in the States and like New York, I think is opening in, in July as a city to have like venues open, which is incredible. And I also kind of like, don't believe it. Florida's <laughs> um, fully open. Uh, but yeah, you like, we're like for, for the vaccinated among us, those, those events are going to start happening like sooner rather than later. And I think that we're going to, when we, when we return to land, it's going to be this glorious thing where we simultaneously kind of like, uh, like, you know, that scene in the matrix where Neo's like, why do my eyes hurt? Or why can I move my legs? And Morpheus is like, you've never used them before. <laughs> it's like that. Um, it's going to, it's going to be like a lot of remembering how to be a person in a space and how to be a professional in the space. But the energy and like the will to be there is going to be so great that I think it's going to uh, just like I I know for a fact the first land that I go to, I am going to completely go ham on on production. I am like I'm going to be so zoned in, completely G fueled up or whatever <laughs> sponsor energy drink up um, for that event. Smelling salt it up. Insert just, sponsor here. Yeah, because I, 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 I can't speak for anyone else, but I know that, like, from my friends in the industry, we are all so excited to get to the point where we're doing lands again. There's just a oh, lot yeah. of we've done a lot of learning this past year, and uh, I can only imagine the applying that amount of learning that we learned from doing remote shit to uh, being in person and telling the stories of, of our like rock star players again. I cannot fucking. Absolutely. I, I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, I long 40% of my energy comes from watching fighting game tournaments, whether in person or, or on streams. Um, so only having 40? only 40, um, there's it's, it's I'll do a graph one day. Of where what percent comes, comes from, from Wawa? Um, so probably another 40. Honestly, I would say pretty easily. Uh, it's kind of like pylons. I think we'll get that reference. Um, const US construct additional ones? Yeah, when they build Wawa's near me, like I get stronger. Um, hmm. You get electricity. <laughs> I do. And <laughs> um, I'm like, ah, delivery just delivery times just went down. Um, I uh, 100% long for the days of uh, of seeing it again. I am personally so excited. Like, I was talking to uh, Blueberry, a uh, buddy of ours, and I'm like, and I, and I was talking to Peter, Hero Gorgeous, and I was like, when fighting games come back we're gonna do just road trips i was like i'll drive i don't care we just gotta just go we just go to them i don't care if we go zero and two it doesn't matter you gotta get easy pass. You, gotta, you gotta get easy pass. <laughs> oh man um one thing i want to ask you Burke, is do you miss the smell of fighting no. game tournaments no 
No, I don't. <laughs> but I will if I could go to one and I knew that it was safe, I would put cotton balls or a you know a clothespin on my nose just to go. So walk around with a plague doctor mask. Yeah, it would be fine. Like potpourri. Yeah, I would just I would have you know, just put G fuel in it. You know, just like whatever. Yeah. Man, we're working hard for that sponsorship. We got we got to get it. Got to do it. I for one am ready. Whenever insert sponsor name here wants to reach out. Um. Yeah, I, that's that's for me. I I'll, I'll I'm at the point where like you know as somebody with you know some some social anxieties even before before covid i know i know i see a lot of people not washing their hands in the restroom let's just say that um so i i i am i i have beaten all my phobias i'm i'm ready i'm like what you tell me when i can go to a thing and i'm going to go to it even if i don't play the game i'll start playing games i don't even care about i'll just go i'll be like what that's great let's go jojo fighting game jojo fighting game let's do it i'm i'm going to get into we should honestly get into dive kick. I'll play dive kick. I'm Super Smash Brothers. Okay, no, that's the line. We draw you can the line play there. Minecraft. Steam. We draw the line at Smash. I will. I honestly kind of. I'm really. I've been getting into Age of Empires again. I know it's something I've been talking about a lot to you guys, but uh, I, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go for anything. Wallalo. 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 Let's say Age of Mythology is better. No. You can have that opinion. That's fine. Age of Empires 2 is, is is the one, is the chosen one. It's just an expanded version of Age of Empires 2. Yeah. Have you ever played, uh, oh man, what is this game called? It's it's in the Age of Empires engine with Star Wars. No. Uh, what? That sounds familiar. It is called Galactic Battlegrounds. I think I have no. played that. I played a lot of RTSs in, in, the, in the day. I just want to... When I was a kid, I had a friend whose parents uh, were chaplains in the Salvation Army, and he couldn't play uh, any games that had blood in them. Mm. And so st we were all playing Brudor. He's like, I can't play Brudor because there's blood in it. Let's all play Galactic Battlegrounds. <laughs> and that game was fun as fuck. I'm glad you guys You had a friend this. who's similar, couldn't play like Command and Conquer, but was allowed to play Battle for Middle Earth. There's always that. There's always that thing that got around it. I was banned from a bunch of stuff when I was a little kid. Um, I really want to play in-person D and D again. I'm, That's my yeah, big post-COVID thing. I'm down for that. That we we may have to do an IRL session uh, for the caffeines post-COVID just just to do it. Um, I think that'll be fun. But uh, anyway, guys, this has been a great podcast. We've had an amazing discussion here. Um, any any closing thoughts from from you guys? Uh, do we want to hint at secret project? If you would like to, I would love to. You go for it. In a world where caffeines play tabletop RPGs based <laughs> off of their favorite game, we're gonna do a show. Uh, it is currently in production, and I'm not gonna tell you anything more about it unless you uh, sub to caffeines on Twitch, or you just wow. go to caffeines.gg where we've totally posted up about this you can find on, it man. on my wow, twitter where i've also already talked to people about it uh, you know i guess yeah fuck me for trying to get the bag for the gang but okay hey hey <laughs> didn't we just talk about the the peril of doing things only for the bag that's right that's right and i'm just being my authentic self <laughs> for the love of the game 
Uh, Old Jimmy. I, I would say my, my my final words for the podcast is if you love esports, uh, do it for the passion, uh, but always respect yourself enough to uh, be able to afford to never put uh, your never put esports before your health. I've done that, and uh, do not recommend. Um, follow me on uh, tw- Twitter and Instagram at Will Produces. Uh, and we'll see next time when I'm on the podcast, I guess. You should definitely follow Will for that because you will get one of two things from those social medias. You will get takes on the, the esports industry, one, of course. Um, but two, you will either get photos of his dog, Maisie, right? That's Maisie, right? Yes, that's Maisie. Um, Maisie or clips of Will in his homemade gym just grunting. Um, yes, it's some, Iron sometimes Dead. with Maisie, so, though. Sometimes with yeah, Maisie. Ma- yeah. AC is my spotter as yeah. I attempt to go higher and higher in bench press. Right. Let's take some that. Moose, what do you got? I don't got much. <laughs> other than a lot of tiredness. <laughs> but, um, you know, thanks for watching, listening, yeah. whatever we call it. Yeah. Being a part of it. Consuming it. It's only, that, that word honestly always sounds weird to me. Yes, I consume a lot of this person's content. It's technically the right word, wrong. but yeah. I, it, it's like it's a word I hear thrown around a lot, and I even said it earlier. I'm like, I consume that content. But I'm like, I, consuming to me feels like it's used up. Like I can consume a coffee, and then nobody else can drink that coffee. But like if I watch someone's video, other people get to watch that video. If you want to share access to my weird. cursed YouTube algorithm, message me <laughs> or if you want uh hot takes on music but um apart from that i don't know any movies so movie suggestions that's always good moose is outstanding with movie related uh board games that have are you ever heard trigger. of the classic baby's day out don't, mm. don't even trigger me anyway moose can be found saturday nights on caffeine's stream twitch.tv slash caffeine's um for those of you who don't know, who are all kind of a, a group together, and we're creating content together. Um, on this channel, if you're listening to this podcast, you're seeing all the links and stuff right there. We are Caffeines pretty much everywhere. If we're not Caffeines, we're Caffeines GG. Um, just because some, sometimes it do be like that. Um, sometimes, it do. sometimes it do be like that. Will gave us the intro with it. We are actually going to be posting, um, just to recap on that, D and Destiny. Will is DMing and leading us through perilous journey and a campaign with some other caffeines in the tabletop board game or tabletop rpg of dungeons and dragons uh, an adaptation of which is called d and destiny and we're going to be doing our very own campaign which you can catch on podcasts of your choice the same way that you're finding this podcast um, we're going to be labeling them just differently just so that you know which ones this podcast comes out every thursday the D and Destiny sessions are going to be launching every Friday or Monday. Actually, we should talk about that. We should figure that out. Yeah, we haven't really talked about that. We're, we're it's going to be coming out just, on a day. It's coming out that, on a day that is why. It's coming soon to everywhere that you uh, listen to podcasts and maybe bathroom? YouTube. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's nice. coming to a bathroom near you. Nice. Straight to the bathroom. <laughs> Imagine our <laughs> podcast in a restroom at like Pizza Hut. You know, uh, is just just playing. Pizza over the Huts have restrooms. 
I get. I would assume I, they, they do. Do they need to? <laughs> I, I was gonna say. I'm pretty sure they have to. That's, I get. I personally get sick every time I eat pizza. I hope they have at least four restrooms. I miss going to Pizza Hut. They had a little salad bar there. It was a good time. <laughs> it was good. It was good. I don't know. It, it was nice. You know, you didn't you didn't feel bad going up multiple times because you know you're walking in between. Did you feel you know, superior eating a salad bar at a Pizza Hut? I did because it wasn't really a whole lot of salad being eaten. It was mostly just me grabbing fresh slices of a variety of different doughy foods. As a, as a so. kid, were you just like loading up a bowl of salad and then turning in your book it coupon for the little pizza? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was doing. Dude, there was, there was a freaking – the Wendy's. Wendy's used to have a salad bar. They used to have this great pudding. I know that's a random factoid, but like, oh my god, I remember that. Dude, I don't right? remember that. They had, oh my god, they had good ass garlic bread and good Dude, ass what pudding. The hell? And Wendy's, yeah, dead ass. Look it up. It's real. It was huh. majestic. Um, but anyway, bless Dave. Bless Dave. Bless ups. Anyways, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you again next week. Bye. Just say hail yourself. Moose, moose I hills. always say that. Moose hells. Moose hells. You have to hail yourself. You do. You do. All right. That's it, guys. Take it easy. We'll see you next time. Beep.